electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Futures a bit soft on this last day of January after that big Friday rally. Best day for the S&P in a year and a half. It'll be another busy week. More than 100 S&P earnings, some big fang names, and Jobs Friday. Our roadmap begins with a dismal month for stocks coming to a close. More red expected at the open. Plus, Spotify moves to address COVID misinformation. Will it be enough to contain a growing list of musicians who are asking for their music to be removed from the platform? And I'll have a lot more on that. Very large LBO this morning. Elliott Invisa's purchase of software, software company Citrix. As I said, one of the biggest tech buyouts we've seen in quite some time and some complexity to it as well. Meanwhile, guys, 105-point uh, gain on the S&P Friday, Jim. Just, just really quick, what was that about? Well, I think that one of the things that might be happening is, is that in the great bear markets that I've studied, there tend to be people who make money all week, but they are short sellers. And they want to cover their shorts just in case something good happens over the weekend. It's the exact opposite mindset. So I think that that uh, had a lot to do with it. I also think that people, uh, David, you know, Apple is such a powerful uh, part of people's equation. Yes. So people start saying, well, you want to wait a second. Let's let's reopen some of the books. Let's go over and see whether things are as bad as we thought. So they brought up uh, the semis came back. They had been a terrible, terrible. Group. And you could see like midday, uh, we've got this thing happened with ServiceNow. Now, we had Bill McDermott on. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of higher multiple profitable companies starting to gain. Uh, and, of course, oil's been consistent. But ServiceNow Atlassian was very good, and that was a stock that was only up like four and then suddenly kept going. So a lot of the shorted names. And then let's forget, let's not forget, even Kathy Wood, her, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of talk this morning about Kathy Wood. We had that fellow who they had the they had anti- they had Tuttle on on right. Squawk Box. Yep, yep. They, they, got, they got him. And what I was not saying that, that was hard. I, I was kind of making a joke <laughs> about it, saying that. Even I could never be so cruel as to come up with a fund that's anti-someone. But that's what the person did. It's interesting, too. He called her Kathy Woods. Yes, I noticed that. They were, mis- they were incorrect in how yeah, they Yeah, it was like the guy the at the end of the uh, Apple call. He said, listen, I've got the iWatch. <laughs> no, not the iWatch. He said, I feel like I have a halo behind me, like a... Shell. Oh, thank you for getting rid of that shell uh, ad. Oh, yeah, well, you do. Uh, ARC <laughs> did buy some hood on Friday. Uh, yeah. 2.4 million shares. Uh, unloaded some Spotify. But to your point about uh, revisiting some of the books, upgrades today for Tesla, yes, for Netflix, is, for that, Spotify. Right. I mean, you know, one of the things that's so difficult for the retail investors, they all have to cut the price targets. So I'm used to when a price target is cut, Carl, for the stock to go down. But every, you know, like ServiceNow, if you're using a $700 price target, you want to raise your rating or boost service now at the same time you got to cut the price target and these stocks have come down to the point where it's like listen i'm raising my rating x but i'm cutting my price target 150 
it's just not, it's hard for retail people to understand if there really is enthusiasm. Meantime, there were some bad earnings at the end of last week that we really didn't spend that much time on. Uh, I happen to like the stock of, I happen to like Caterpillar very much. But when you listen to that call, the expenses, the margins, terrible. I mean, and they did good. They had great orders, but it was terrible. Uh, VF. VF Corp. VF, yeah. Rather terrible. Vans, big slowdown in China. And then the one that we didn't talk about at all, 3M, this combat arms litigation. Um, and how at one point in Steve Tusa's note, he says it could be an unfathomable risk to 3M. I feel like people were saying that about too fast with the water. Talc. Well, like, no, not, yeah, not talc with, with 3M. Fast, fast, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's, you know, these companies manage, have a litigation strategy that seems to manage and contain these risks for long right. periods of time. But I thought what was interesting was there was an article in the New York Times that was very negative, January 28th, about the combat arms. This is just for hearing. But what happens is, first you get the negative, and then you can put the negative into context. And so 3M says, listen, we're fighting vigorously, uh, and go read our filings. So then I said, shoot, you know, then you, you suddenly discover, wow, this is a little worse than I thought. This is what happened with talc. And then it settles in, and you realize it was a mistake to sell 3M off of it. But while you're reading it, while you're reading Steve Tusa's piece, the great J.P. Morgan analyst, you know, he, he, at one point, he just says, look, I... It's a tr- I'm going to use a figure, and I, t- I really regret it, but a trillion, trillion dollars. Right. Now, that's just, to me, ludicrous. But, you know, then I start thinking about your, asbestos. But to your point about, uh, you know, uh, Caterpillar, uh, today it's Otis, uh, guides below. I know, uh, and yeah, I, 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 that was an unusual, and there it is again. What is it? It's China slowing. Now, I don't know if you guys caught Eunice Hughes' incredible piece this morning, but it just seems like everyone in China's on a line for testing. The, the, the productivity in China has to be just terrible. We've talked about this for a number of weeks now, and, and it has continued to be a key question as to how much the economy is slowing as a result of their zero COVID policy, which continues, unlike virtually every other nation well, in the Otis, world. Otis at was this all point. China. The weakest um, was all China. Everybody right. Else was well, they, but what about the property sector there? I mean, they well, continue to say that it wasn't going to impact the, them, but it does. I mean, it's hard to imagine it's not. Well, the state owned enterprises are still building. There are 10,000, I think Trudy Marks would tell you, there's 10,000 different developers over there, and all we do is we hear about the worst ones. But at the same time, there's no doubt about it. China is a different animal than it was six months ago. And a lot, we don't know how much of it is trying to have pollution-free, how much is actually a change in pollution, and how much of it is is a, a level of control of COVID that just seems a zero COVID policy without the right, right vaccines. Well, you know, the New York Times over the weekend had a story about the level of control that is being allowed over the population as a result as well of the COVID protocols. Because it's all mobile, of course, in China, as so many things are. Right. And you have to basically every day queue in your health code and get your approval to enter anything or do anything. Right. And it it does give them yet another element of control, which may be something that the regime is happy about. She mentioned that Eunice talked um, about going to the drugstore. And if you bought uh, cough medicine, the government knows it. Now, it's quite obvious to me that the there's any number of things that the government knows. But what, what shocked me was, if you're going to have lines ever, I mean, China is a great engine of, of, uh, of the world, and China's not. 
right now. It's just an, it's a downshifting engine. And, and and the Otis quarter was, you know, there it was. The first time that Otis did not, they have good service revenue. First time that they were forecasting a slowing in China. And we're just not used to seeing China no. hitting the numbers. Uh, IMF cut their China numbers last week. Yes. Uh, today, Goldman cuts our uh, GDP numbers. Uh, sees Q1 at five-tenths. Uh, this wow. fiscal cliff with the expanded child tax credit expiration is going to hurt. They think disposable income, Jim, is going to go back to below pre-pandemic trend? Well, this is what I've been worried about. The critics of Jay Powell, I put up something positive this weekend about Powell. Like, there's just so many things that are not, that could lead to slower growth. Uh, at the same time, we can't get bacon. There's things that are slower growth at the same time you can't get that desk. So it's at what point, if you look at the semiconductors, they are trading as if that whole problem is over. That there's going to be an inventory glut in six months. Those stocks tend to look out six months. If you look at the collapse of AMD and then the collapse of NVIDIA. Is that what you're ready to call them? Collapses AMD and well, NVIDIA? AMD was at 170. Went to All right, but we can take a look. I can go back to any other time period. Well, then, Let's, even a year, and it, I'm not sure I'd call it a collapse. Well, no, but 170 to, what do you want? What do you want to call 170 to 110? Is that a, a it's a dip? It's a it's downshift. It's a, it's a downshift. Or it, as a hedge fund guy, it's a drawdown. Yeah. <laughs> well, Whatever look, the heck that okay, is. Okay, so all right. So what you're we'll saying is words. basically Lisa Sue's like, Lisa Sue is like your average. Oh, we've had a drawdown. But, well, well, it, I just think that. There's nothing we could do right, about, okay, about it. Okay, but this. The stocks are forecasting that, the, that there will no longer be a constraint. And if that's well, the case, you just don't think it's a, a, a function of lower multiples as a result of the current environment, because obviously, as we know, Investors are not willing to award the same multiples any longer than they were two months ago. Well, I think that the multiples were deserving, but I also think that when you read about double ordering and you read about what could happen and you, you realize that the lower, that the real problem is, is the, you know, these 10 million, the smaller, the larger form factor versus smaller, the stocks are signaling uh, that Teradyne and, uh, and Lamb Research, which had big quarters, are, are really, excuse me? The not one-offs. Are not one offs. Yeah. Those were devastating. Well, I remember, I think it w- what the firm was, but it was a Micron report late last year said winter's coming. Right. And that was, was going to be returned to classic cyclical uh, times. In the and they had, a two, they had a two-quarter inventory correction, but in the, in the interim, you lost a tremendous amount of money. David, all I'm saying is, is that I'm creating a, a view which just says that these people who say 50 basis points or six hikes or whatever are presuming that nothing could really go right, that mm-hmm. there won't be a slowing. And I wonder whether that isn't uh, that Jay Powell doesn't put out these numbers because I think he wants to see. And so then they claim the wait and see. That's how he got behind the curve. But what happens if everybody in this country has the experience of New York and COVID blows through and we don't have quarantines anymore and people are turned to work? Well, Do you I think supply chains going to be First of all, I think a lot of the now? country has been at work. And if you, even if it does blow through, it's not going to do what we do here. We know that there are geographic, there are cha- there are different responses in regions in this country to to Omicron but, anyway. But do you think if every single company? I mean, one of the things that was good. So we've. By the way, semiconductor problems no on, on Otis and uh, supply chain problems. No. <laughs> but your point's an interesting one, Jim. Which is, what about return to office? We haven't talked about it in a well, long yes, time. Okay. It now, given at least in this area where you've got, you're back to 
baseline again or close to it, thankfully, in terms of case, uh, new cases and positivity. When are people coming back to the office? Well, I, I think mean, you walk around downtown. We don't talk about it enough. The financial district or Midtown, which had really recovered a great deal, let's no, call now, it November, December. Right. Things had been crushed as a result. That's of what this. I was saying. To, Small to, businesses. To, to Becky and Andrew, which is that labor has gotten even though this was a mile, you know, you can here. argue about whether we need to take the same restrictions. It's been it's, it's very depressing. Wall City, I think, returns a, seventh, a week from today. The seventh, yeah. Um, yeah, Feb seventh, they return at least a few days a week right. uh, at City, which is obviously not far from right. here. Right. Um, you sound depressed. But it, well, I don't know. You know, it's funny. We talked so often about it uh, a while ago, but I think we've missed the, the economic dislocation that's taken place, at least among small businesses, as a You're result of... You're talking about of, economic scarring. Correct. Right, yeah. And I'm talking more locally, so, you know, a lot of our viewers may not care because they're living in Florida. No, but, no, uh, I mean, but look, I, I think that there's a, a change in, in New York, a change in that how come... Do you think that we can get help at our restaurants because suddenly they're meccas? No, it's because the other places went under. And we were better capitalized. Right. We're going to learn a lot more about labor supply on Friday. Uh, we get that yep. jobs number consensus right around uh, 178. Of course, the prior was 199, that big disappointment. Take a look at futures here. Uh, very busy week. It's not just earnings. We're going to have BOE, ECB, some PMIs, and a lot more uh, futures here mixed as the NASDAQ tries to hold on to Friday's momentum. Don't go away. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Spotify responding to the controversy surrounding its podcast hosted by Joe Rogan. Stream service uh, publishing a, some platform rules saying it will add a content advisory directing listeners to its COVID-19 information hub. As you know by now, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell pulled their music from Spotify accusing Rogan of spreading misinformation. And now in this Instagram post, Rogan apologized and promised to balance things out, Jim. Says he's going to try to do better by having a wider variety of opinions. Right. I, I thought that was good. I think that people uh, are getting uh, concerned about what was the real policy that they had, uh, because I think that he was one of the primary people who who made it so this country didn't get as vaccinated as as another 29 countries that are not as well off as we are. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, today, I uh, got upgrades over at City, and their general argument with Spotify and Netflix is that the economics of the business, the shares are not reflecting better economics, maybe not sub-numbers in absolute terms, but better pricing, better margins down the road. Well, I mean, I think that, that look, this is the era of podcasting. I, 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 you know, look, I, I, we all know people that would just do, they used to read, now they podcast. But it used made, to be called radio, a, but yeah, now well, it's long-form yeah. radio. It's oh, nice. Look, Listen, radio. it's good, yeah. Uh, look, I think Spotify is a great company, and I do think that they're doing better than We Netflix. can remember when they made the push into uh, podcasting. Daniel Ek joined us, I think, yeah. here a few years back no, when they made business. their decision, and they've obviously allocated a good amount of capital towards it. And they were laughed um, at initially when they did it, or people felt that they were not going down some, the right path, or, there there, or that their business was to, running out. Yeah. Well, I, they may not have anticipated that it would bring them into public view in this way. Um, But it doesn't seem to be having an impact. Do you remember Monsanto? The stock has been suffering along with with many others, uh, but as you see, it's going to respond positively. The problems that Monsanto had, you know, the chemical problems that lowered the valuation. Yes. Did you ever listen to Monsanto by Neil Young? You could be a visionary. No, I didn't, actually. Neil Young's... Very smart. He's le- it's astute. unclear how many other artists are, gonna, are going to join him at this point. Uh, whether or not this it? has been enough to stem the right. comments from, from well, that have been I enough to stem the, the potential tide of but the, other But I think artists. the issue was, I didn't know it was semantics. Like, you're allowed to say, you're not allowed to say it'll kill you. But anything, like, anything else is fine. No, that shouldn't be the debate. I mean, geez, if that's the debate, well, you know, you'd rather say, okay, listen, I'd rather get sick than get vaccinated. That's what that leads to that. Right. But then it gets to the larger question of misinformation on these very on these large platforms and what responsibility the platform owner has to policing it. Well, do you think Mark Zuckerberg? And that gets you to a, do you think Zuckerberg just says, you know what, I'm going surfing because we got another guy on the hot seat. Rogan. <laughs> yeah, I think right? he does. Well, we're going to hear more from them this week. Uh, but couple, someone said they had a good going to have a good quarter. A couple yeah. stories on the wire about how we're going to learn a lot more about their metaverse strategy. Well, there are a lot of companies that have metaverse strategies that we're just now beginning to realize uh, could have, you know, like, uh, for instance, Coors has got a metaverse strategy. Coors. Yeah, Coors, Coors. The, the beer company. Yeah, they're going to have a metaverse strategy. What, what are they going to do in the metaverse, Jim? Oh, it's a secret. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's a secret. I bet you it'll have something to do with consuming meta beer. Well, if no, yeah. it could be their new Topo Chico hard seltzer that oh, maybe is in the metaverse. Maybe that's it. Anheuser-Busch apparently has the big game contract. Do you remember when Anheuser-Busch pulled away from the big yes, game? Yes. Now they're all in big game. And I think that's because, well, one of the reasons is because people are watching this. Well, I'm, I'm still buzzing from the, I don't know about you guys, this weekend's games, right? Stressful, <laughs> exciting. You couldn't turn away. No, and look, it's, it's, it's back. And the NFL, those owners, but I have to they got to be so I, happy. Can I tell you something? Why did I like that Nadal match? The Australian Open was... Hey, listen, I think that we just feel good about watching something. The Australian Open was extraordinary. I did not. I I know. I didn't see him beat Medvedev. I wish I had. Five sets. He's he's amazing. Number 22, (laughs) right? 22? Yeah. You know, he's worried about losing his hair. Interesting. 21. Thank you, Chip. I I wanted to tell him it's okay. Our producer, Chip, is a tennis expert, actually. Thank you. Did you know he's worried about losing his hair? 21. Nadal? I no, I didn't know that. <laughs> he's OCD, obviously, because he's got that thing he does before he... It, it works for him, there's no doubt. Congratulations. Oh, I was going to say, man, I go to, for both. They, he's a quite exciting yeah. player. To, to Nadal, to the Bengals, to the Rams. Uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell after a short break. Don't go anywhere. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, let's get to our first mad dash of the week as we count you down to an opening bell for this Monday as well. Beyond Meat. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. After a series of endless downgrades of Beyond Meat, Barclays takes the other side, calling taking a bite beyond the retail shelf. This is the institutional side. This is what we always, that Ethan Brown always thought could happen. At the same time, still, competition in U.S. retail is getting tougher, um, and, and they kind of just basically say that, you know, look out, that there are risks to our thesis. And yet, I think that what's happened, David, and this is, I'm using this as metaphor, some of these growth stocks have fallen so much that people just don't want to stay as negative. And I think Beyond Meat, as we know, was one of the great growth stocks. Impossible's against them. Impossible's got GMO, so I always felt that the younger people who want veggie will go against GMO. Well, I, you know, all right, is, so so are you saying take a shot down 67% That's what Barclays is saying, because yeah. one of the problems had been that the institutional, uh, inst, you know, the cafeterias hadn't done well. But McCormick said that that business has come back when they were on with me the other day, the spice company. So, uh, look, I am not advocating this. I am saying that there's a, I'm beginning to see, whether it be Netflix, whether it be on meat, whether it be a guy Tesla today, that people are saying, you know what, growth has gotten too out of style. Let's start thinking about it, which would be very good, by the way, for Kathy Woods. <laughs> or it Wood. Is, you know, I, I did make fun of his, his short thing because at a certain point when you set up a short fund, you, you can get really wobbled. Yes, you can. You could get wobbled. Do yes, I think that can. she caused the bottom in Robinhood? Yes. But she tried to cause the bottom in, in uh, DraftKings and that failed. But these stocks like Roku's come down so much. Zoom, by the way. Is a very profitable company. All right. Well, I could put Zoom there instead and say the same thing as we take a look at Ark Innovation. Has it come down enough? Well, that's what, what was a growth stock. Okay. Obviously, a what huge I'm beneficiary saying is, is of the pandemic. The problem with a lot of these recommendations like this is it's not compelling. There's nothing in here other that, than just saying the stock's down. That's what I'm saying. Not necessarily. And then I think that you need Tinder. That's know? not even as bad as Beyond Meat. Close. Well, you need Tinder. You need Zoom to make. You need Zoom to take the money it has, and buy someone. Tinder, right? Tinder. What did Tinder have to do with this? Tinder. Yeah, fire. Oh, we I need see. Some. Not the dating app. Oh, oh my God, I forgot. Is that is that the swap thing? I don't know. Swipe no, left. Swap. Yeah. Them. 
Hey, Bumble, you know somebody downgraded that deal. We're going to go before things get really No, all bad I'm saying here. is is that people are looking for reasons to buy growth. Okay, Got that's it. all I'm saying. That's all he's saying. The opening bell's just a few minutes away. By the way, if you want, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk in the Street opening bell podcast. We're back after this. Writers of streaming content are facing a big challenge, keeping subs who have signed up for blockbuster releases. The Journal today reporting data from subscription measurement firm Antenna, saying roughly half of U.S. viewers who signed up within three days of the release of Hamilton on Disney Plus and Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max were gone within six months. We've seen some other anecdotal reporting, Jim, about, uh, say, Voice Assist. You get an Alexa, and then a couple months later, you're just no longer using it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how faddish things are, because I think that Disney would tell you maybe it's not growing as fast as it was, but it's been pretty consistent. Um, and they have con- I think one of the themes, themes of that piece was you've got to have constant content. You've got to have constant content. You do. I, I start to wonder at this point when we will start to hear from some investors objecting to the strategy of focusing so much on direct-to-consumer and whether or not it's going to really be beneficial for some of these companies. And going back and arguing that perhaps you were better off actually selling your content to the being an arms provider. I just, I'm waiting for that argument to begin. It hasn't yet. But the box office figures but, for January are horrendous. Now, what... I guess January didn't have good movies. I don't know. I mean, Adam Aaron, it, he sold when the getting was good for AMC. In fairness, Adam did tell you he was selling. I mean, it wasn't like he hit that. Well, right. and we've not mentioned Reed Hastings buying $20 million worth his first open market purchase. Yep, uh, 20 million bucks. Hey, yep. I mean, something. <laughs> Bought it after Ackman, I guess. That's not a small purchase. <laughs> There's the opening bell on the CNBC Real-Time Exchange this morning at the Big Horn at Shell, celebrating the simplification of the company's share structure and tax residents within the UK. At the NASDAQ, the Chinese Consulate General in New York celebrating Lunar New Year, which, Jim, a lot of those who watch logistics, it's actually an important time where oh, yeah. you get a, a reprieve from those ships going from Shanghai to L.A. Well, I had a flex port on the other day, and the Oakland uh, port has only seven... They have almost no traffic. And the the idea that everyone keeps going to Long Beach, and one of the Long Beach problems, by the way, you know, very powerful. People don't remember how powerful the Longshoremen Union was and is. And they're very powerful. They're not easily bought off, so to speak. Uh, One that I think, just in terms of of watching Shell, uh, remember Shell wanted to simplify, but they also wanted to reduce their carbon footprint. And, you know, they... Their footprint in the Permian was bought by Conoco, which reports on the third. And I think Conoco is going to have a fantastic quarter because of it. Yeah. Shell not the only one, by the way. Unilever also, right? Uh, Going to that single structure in the U.K. Actually, beneficiary, despite the fact that, you know, with Brexit, there were a lot of people doubting whether or not these companies might want to do that. Uh, but you know, Unilever had a tough quarter. Because they I both would, were obviously Dutch. But, but don't, you, don't you think that if you have two headquarters, you're going to take out some costs if you only have one? Yeah. But Unilever had a tough quarter. They didn't grow as fast as Procter. Uh, Procter, people forgot that it was a great quarter. It's almost like it didn't matter. Did you do the Chevron, the truest downgrade over there at the Walmart? No. And I, I, Look, I, I'm a huge fan of Chevron. It's in my charitable trust. It stung. When I read it, it stung because it said the downstream was not that good. It said the costs uh, are, are not great in uh, 
running out of some credits. Yeah, and what I didn't like about it is that in the end, you're you're selling a company that is doing a lot of what it can to be able to become a cleaner enterprise. And and the guy says, uh, uh, Neil Dingman, he goes, and this was painful. However, we estimate uh, that margins around this area of, of trying to get less carbon uh, they will likely be quite low the next couple of years. Well, no, like, people, the fact is he's trying like we're, yes, the margins are low. I mean, one of the things that he committed to was saying, listen, we're spending $10 billion. We're not going to make a lot of money on these things, but we're trying to do the right thing. So are we now getting to where some people are saying, you know what? I want an oil company without a lot of ESG because the margins aren't that good. Uh, they but, do say they well, prefer Devon and Oxy my, and... Uh, I just felt, you know, I read it and I wanted to call Mike, Mike Worth, and just say, Mike, you know what, you're, listen, do not take this as being the no. reason why you shouldn't do ESG. There are a lot of cross currents for these, for these of the, the majors, uh, yeah, from their right. shareholder base, from, uh, uh, to a certain extent. And, you know, this idea, though, that they become capital constrained as a result of that has not happened. Obviously, no. they have been the beneficiary, not of their efforts in ESG, so to speak, or to lower their carbon footprint, but simply because the underlying commodity has gone up so much in price that they're generating enormous amounts of cash, uh, both Exxon and Chevron I'm talking about But what now. do you but think about the idea Jim, that, that... at some point, by the way, there are going to be an awful lot of electric vehicles in the world. Now, it's still many right. years from now, right. even with Tesla selling over a million, let's call right. it, or even two million, whatever the number may be next year or the year after, and many others. At some point, right. did you read the Ford, maybe ten years from now? There's not going to be as much demand for gasoline. No, transportation already fuel already. The electric has passed diesel in, in Europe, and diesel is. And so you do need to come up with a at least a what? long-term but strategy that's, that's going to that, keep you in business. You know, the idea that you now, look at the market. By the way, jet right fuel here. and, uh, you know, any number of other uh, plastics. Well, I mean, there are plenty Mike's of other. jet fuel yeah. alternatives. He's yeah. Mike. Mike. Tim. Mike. You're, like, kidding me. Like, people I know. Like, well, you know, you call, sure you call Powell Jerry. I mean, you know. Not actually, Jay. Never, I never called Jerry. I know. I'm kidding. That was a joke. No. But I just, I just saw this, and I said, nobody said that Mike Worth's efforts to become less carbon intensive would, would make them. I mean, I think it's amazing that he's even trying to make money at it. David, I'm just saying that this made me feel like that it was an insurance policy to not have what happened at Exxon. And my experience with Mike Worth is that's not the case. Well. Listen, I, 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 we should be talking about it all the time. It's an incredibly important initiative by both Chevron and Exxon. Oh, There's still Cobra. people who question it longer term and what the strategy ultimately will be and can they truly ever hope to be even, you know, they have ambitions, by the way. They've never committed to be carbon neutral. The whole idea of it seems impossible for oil companies to, it does, to get to that trying. point, even if it's 30 years they from now. They don't want to lose their shareholder base, which they were losing. They were losing. Yes. But then again, if you were a shareholder over the last year, you're very happy. Well, true. I'm just saying that these they're tr- there are many of these companies, which we would have at one point regarded as irresponsible, that are now doing the right thing. And this truest piece made me feel that, like, don't do too much of the right thing. It'll hurt your margins. No good deed. Goes no up. good yeah. deed. Right. Uh, right. Speaking of decarbonization, uh, this Credit Suisse upgraded Tesla today. Uh, we are hard-pressed to find a stock that checks all the boxes like Tesla does. Uh, disruption, decarbonization, uh, growth, cash. Uh, although they keep 1025, Jim, to your earlier point. Right, right. I, look, I have the, I thought that piece was very well thought out. Uh, By the way, Tesla back above 880 or getting close to it, it really did bounce off the 200-day on Friday. No, this this was a very important piece. Uh, 
because it really does talk about how, look, they're, you want to be an EV, and really still only Tesla is EV. Now, I come back and I read the, the Ford piece in New Yorker. I come back and think about what Jim Farley's doing uh, at Ford, and I keep thinking he has the F-150, and he can't make the electric F-150s fast enough. The gating problem, again, is the battery. Are there enough batteries? And they're not. Oh, it's, everything's gated. You hear that Caterpillar quarter? <laughs> like freight. They have to like ship freight. It's a fortune. Yeah, Caterpillar's a really well-run company. Caterpillar. Yes. Yeah, so they decided not to. They decided to sacrifice margins to keep customers happy. So what happens? Savage the stock. But they decided that was the right thing to do. And it probably is. Right. Longer term, you want it. That's a but good I'm, idea for business. But look at Keeping the stock. your customers happy. He's getting killed. All right. Two point six percent. Really oh, killed. God. Okay. Well, remember when Benioff was letting uh, customers be going easy on payments? Yes. Got, it probably and ended up being good in the long term. Initially, right? the stock got hurt, and then it came back. Yeah. Uh, I find, I don't know, unless you're like part of you know, life, life sciences, you're just not getting any benefit. When, when people, if everybody has supply chain problems, you would think that it, that it would be okay, right? It's like, oh, yeah, supply chain. No, every time it comes up, it's a new Oh, they had supply chain problems? Like, everybody has supply chain problems because you can't get the plastic bag, you can't get the paper, you can't get the wood, you can't. How about the aluminum how about pieces? The, this the, the Kellogg downgrade today, all the things you just said. Brutal. Um, uh, guys, I want to get to uh, the but, big LBO, the morning Citrix, if I can. Well, if you can, as you go through, I'm a little just press. Yeah, look for your Kellogg. Look for your Kellogg thing, and I'll and I'll. No, I'll no, do go this. ahead and just say thank you. I tried right. to make it interesting. And you do. All right, thank you. Every all so right. often, I I'll do one of these because it is one of the largest LBOs okay. we've seen in a very, very long time. And a great product, uh, although not a uh, not a particularly rewarding price for anybody who's gotten in the stock recently. In part on uh, reports of the talks between Citrix and Vista and Elliott, its two buyers. The deal was announced this morning. It's $104 a share. And again, there had been some hopes that it would be far higher. Uh, it's not. Perhaps reflective of the current market for technology stocks, the multiples lower than might have been anticipated. Uh, it's interesting from a, um, uh, for how it's being constructed because Elliott, which is getting bigger and bigger as a player in private equity, even though the evergreen is what they call their effort there, uh, but the funds come out of the Elliott complex, so to speak, and they report one performance number. Uh, but PE is obviously becoming a very important part of their overall strategy. Remember, they did an enormous deal where they sold Athena Healthcare last year, one of the biggest deals we'd seen, $17 billion, a big win for them, by the way, last year on that deal. This one we'll see, uh, but they're buying Citrix along with Vista. Elliott contributing $2 billion, roughly is what I'm hearing, uh, in equity. Most of it is debt, of course. That's the way you set things up. In fact, as much as $17.5 billion in total debt because they're both refinancing the existing debt at Citrix, the refinancing debt at Tibco. I'll get to that in a minute. And obviously, there is the debt financing for the purchase of the Citrix shares. Then you add in $2 billion in equity. What is Vista putting in? Tibco, uh, a business they bought in 2014 is what they're contributing. Now, I don't know the overall valuation for the deal. They paid $4 billion for Tibco in 2014. Obviously, it's being valued at more than that right now. So they're not putting in actual cash from a fund. They are putting in uh, a unit that will create a very large company uh, in the software area. By the way, Tibco, I'm told, has increased its uh, annual uh, recurring revenue from what had been 40% of that revenue to 90% recently. And that's the play here for Citrix as well. 
and Jim, you know this well, higher multiple, being, being higher multiple will be awarded to companies that obviously have a higher percentage of their revenues as recurring. And that's the hope here. They've had some missteps. They've had some execution issues uh, on their road to this. And by the way, Elliott had been on the board, owned the stock for quite some time, sold some of it, and then bought a bunch back, uh, let's call it mid to early last year or summer of last year, uh, and finally move ahead with this actual transaction. But um, they're going to lever it about seven times, EBITDA is what I'm hearing, which is not bad, but is reflective at least of taking a certain amount of risk here. So seven years, uh, you know, seven years worth of EBITDA is represented in terms of the debt being taken on. But the idea is to obviously get that EBITDA going up right. and have it more secure as a result of having a higher percentage of revenue be recurring for Citrix. David, when these companies go, let's go back to uh, Tipco. It was the Vivek ran a DeVay's company, owns the basketball team. Did you said, that, yeah, and of course, it increased in value. I was looking at... I want to figure out, like, but I don't know how much because they're not much. telling me at least. Right, right. Like, we like, don't know like, where it's being valued for purposes of this transaction. Well, we're starting to see these companies come public again. Lifetime, yeah, was a very good company, and they felt that they didn't get a good multiple, so they come public and in a more bountiful multiple time. And now the multiple streaking again. I mean, right? Do we see this? So this is not taking Tipco public. Instead, they're using it in this fashion. But I'm as, wondering as whether a way to be is the, it, the, is the equity contribution market, right. How how closed is the private market? Is the equity market here right now? Pretty closed. Well, that right can now help pretty us. closed. That can help. That can change quickly, as you know. I but know. Right but it, now, you're not thinking long and hard about taking a company public in this market. If it certainly if it's software as a service or anything like that. Right. But also Whereas a year spacks. ago, of course, you couldn't wait. I mean, I was doing some work this weekend uh, on a company, Beauty Health. Okay, yeah. this is, was Brent Saunders. He named a new CEO last week. And they have a... a oh, this, have, this, was a, this was his back deal? Yes. That he and, did, where they do the, where they do the make the yeah, yeah, yes, the makeup but it's machine. popular. Or and whatever, or think, the facial yeah, machine. But people yeah. think that the facial machine is real. I mean, it's no, no one thinks it's not real. But here's a, a company that sold at, uh, you know, it, 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 it sold at 30, and now it's at 12. It's and it happened out of nowhere. It just kind of disappeared. It had no, still, there's no sponsorship. Still above 10. It's still a winner. It's, well, in my list of, I did a list of SPACs of the, this is a winner. That's what made me, I'm yeah. going back over the ones that are winners. And it I mean, is take a look at the post-SPAC index that we have. It's that, like trading at 59. I urge people to look at these because I don't want them to get hurt. Yeah. Because some of the SPACs, when, you know, when we had Gary Gensel on, the chairman, he said that a lot of these, you know, they, a celebrity SPAC in particular, he was quite critical of the idea that you had a celebrity. I'm just saying that these are, these well, this cost people tremendous. Remember at the time, I think it was Liontree was making a case that any cash flow could be discounted through a SPAC. It could be a celebrity, it could be an athlete. The model was sort of yep. wider right. than the imagination. Yes. yes. Everybody had a SPAC and a dream. They sure did. A lot of Lion, those dreams. Liontree, have uh, have become nightmares. What, was what were they thinking about the? Uh, they, they were in, yeah. in, in in succession. Succession. Did they opine yeah. positive. They were, I think they the were. Gojo. You know, in typical Ari Burkhoff fashion. I think they were on both sides. He had that deal wired from beginning to end. Wouldn't have mattered what happened. He was going to make money. We're referring to succession yeah. and the fact that they mentioned at the end that Lion Trio Pine and those of us who many of us know Arya. You can't, you can't get better thrilled. marketing than we're that. We're thrilled because Arya is such a great guy. Can't get and better it, marketing. It was just a lot of fun to see that. Overall, guys, uh, I'm struck, Jim, the, the S&P leaders this morning, Netflix, Tesla, Align, 
all of these names that, as you say, have come down, There's and whether it's a short cover no, still or not. I believe that people. This, this is the backlash, and Kathy Wood, you know, could have a a bit of a run here. I mean, a line. Look, Align is a great company. I don't know if you guys use Vizalign. My daughter used Vizalign. And it went from 737 down to 480. It's a very good company. Uh, Joe Hogan's been making the number, making the number, making the number. There's no reason for that to go down. Enphase last week because of the, of the California change in the law. Enphase, which is the best solar company, got crushed. So I'm just saying that people are saying, wait a second. Let's stop it, take a breath, and stop throwing these away. Maybe January is the end of the growth stock Armageddon. All right, but you're not willing to say it. You're just saying maybe. Maybe. Well, because I'd like to see a catalyst. That's why I brought Beyond Meat. I don't know the catalyst. I'd like a catalyst. Well, other than the Fed saying we're reversing well, course, what no, would be a catalyst? No, I, you know what a catalyst is? Someone buying $20 million. Reed Hastings is so cool. He is. I mean, $20 million bucks for him is not a lot, though. Oh, God. All right, it's a lot for me. It's a lot for you. I have a what? shell. I have a shell over my head. Yeah, you do. I know. It's nice. Clam shell. Yeah, it's kind of cute. Botticelli. There it is. Look I'm at that. Botticelli. Perfect. You're perfectly. I'm Botticelli. Si- I love perfectly situated. Let's move that head right. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So we got uh, a roughly flat open here at the, on this Monday, 44.36. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, let's hope the. Uh, Growth stock Armageddon, as Jim said, is done in January. But remember, the market leaders were cyclical in value stocks. And a little bit of a problem today. Caterpillar's down five. Uh, Dow, Dow uh, Inc. is down a few dollars. Visa's down two. Separate group here. Take a look at the sectors. And remember, energy is the big leader for the month, even though it's a small part of the S&P. Uh, it's a little weaker today. Banks have done okay, although banks really have sold off essentially since their earnings season started, uh, but still flattish on the month. Uh, Industrials have held up, and tech, of course, is the big problem that we're looking at. So where are we right now? If you look at what happened on Friday, uh, there's not a lot of people who have conviction that that was the bottom. The good news is the valuations are a lot lower. We were talking about 21 times forward. Now it's 19 times. We've seen record capital returns. I talked to you on Friday about the dividends. Record dividend payouts uh, are happening now. Record buybacks. Those are capital returns. That's good. Cash on hand. People like dividends now with lower expected returns. The bad news is inflation and the extent of the rate hikes are really unclear. And that's that's a really serious uh, headwind to deal with right now. As for the earnings situation, well, we've got about a third reporting. We'll hit 50 percent around Thursday. Uh, the average beats very normal. This is what it used to be back in 2019 and 2018, 5 percent, 6 percent earnings beats. Uh, remember, we got used to 10, 11, 12, 15 percent. That's not happening right now. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but we're just getting smaller beats. We're getting a little bit lower margins. And the first quarter estimates are a little lower than they were at the start of the year. As for the sectors in January, you see this value uh, uh, cyclical tilt, uh, energy and banks being the two great examples, up 18 percent. Banks are flat going in, maybe down a point or so now that we've just opened for the final day. Consumer staples are right in the middle. And there's your other cyclical groups. They're industrials. Healthcare has got a very big growth component, largely because of the biotech end of things. And you see that suffering down 7%. As for the tech sector in January, that's the real problem, of course. But everybody knows that. Overall, the S&P tech sector down 9%. But much bigger declines once you get outside of the mega cap techs that's holding up that technology S&P. So software, semiconductors, uh, internet-related stocks, 
all down in the mid-teens. There's ARK Innovation uh, down 27%. So overall, uh, let's just call it an ugly January. It's not the worst one, although we've got a few hours left for trading. Uh, the S&P 500 down 7 now 7.1% for the month. The worst January ever, well, that was 2009, and we all... Uh, lived through that. Uh, the S&P was down 8.6%. And I think, Carl, the only thing that's worse that than January 2009, if you'll recall, you were here, was February 2009. February 2009, we dropped 11%. So we had the worst January ever in 2009. And we had the worst February ever in 2009. February was down 11%, as I recall. And then we bottomed. I believe it was March 9, 2009, we bottomed. Let's hope we get a bottom in uh, before uh, what we had to live through in 2009. Long and painful first quarter of 2009. Carl, back to you. Yeah, that, that takes me back, Bob. By the way, uh, NASDAQ needs just above 14K, uh, 14.098 to avoid the worst ever uh, January performance on NASDAQ. Bob, thanks. Okay. Uh, Chicago PMI crossing a couple moments ago, uh, 65.2 for January. We were looking for 62.3. Don't forget, we've got some ISM numbers coming up tomorrow and Thursday as well. As for the bond market, 10-year holding 1.8, two-year about 1.2 uh, as we keep uh, our, our eyes fixed on uh, fixed income as well. Be right back. Financials are the laggard this morning as a sector as we get uh, that curve continuing to flatten. You can see Schwab's in there as well, Kellogg with a downgrade. Uh, Citrix, though, also notable uh, among the S&P losers this morning. Dow's down 100. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a minute. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. A lot of people are doing previews of the Facebooks, the Snaps, the Pinterest, Twitters. And the most compelling one that I read was from Morgan Stanley, which talked about how, believe it or not, Meta Industry, Facebook, looks like they had some incredibly good growth well above 2019. Obviously, TikTok doing quite well, too. But the others, no. They think Snapchat may not be good. They particularly talk about Pinterest not being very good. So I would keep track of this because... Obviously, Meta is not an expensive story on earnings, but this would be amazing if they really just continue to improve, especially because right now, do you know that Mark Zuckerberg's saying, ah, Joe Rogan? <laughs> you know, well, it goes back to that big debate about what responsibility oh. these platforms have for actually mediating their content. Yeah, and we had a story which says that, that Congress won't care. If we ever, Congress cares if there are headlines. So if I were Spotify, I'd be worried. They about want it Congress. both ways, though. They don't want to be treated as you know media companies. In one way, then they want to be valued. You can't have it both ways. You're either you know you're going to be pulled in at one time or another by the U.S. government because there are a lot of people who don't like what happened. We have 66 percent vaccination. Sure. Yeah. Is was he one of the reasons why we didn't have more? How about tonight? Okay, I have a company called Silvergate. Now they were the winner. They bought some of the remember the Libra from. Uh, from Meta. Facebook, I'm going yeah. to call them Meta. Well, they have a stake in it. An old friend of mine, Dennis Frank from uh, Goldman Sachs, is chairman. These guys want to be the, um, let's say, the real go-to place for uh, some of the troubled things that Gary Gensler's worried about in terms of the standards of crypto. By the way, congrats on the crossword. Oh, Kramer's thank you. the New York Times thank crossword you. today. Yes, it is. <laughs> Mad it's money expensive. host. I couldn't figure it out. I said, man, money host. Yeah. Faber didn't fit. No, it didn't fit. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder who that would be. <laughs> Try keeping it here. We'll see you tonight. <laughs> Bad money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. 
Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.